What is truth? Do you remember that line? It's from the Gospels. Who said it? Pontius Pilate just said it, didn't he? Jesus was on trial. And Jesus was talking about the truth, and I've come to give you truth. And Pilate gives a rhetorical response, a scoffing response. What is truth? Come on, Jesus. You say that's true. They say something else true. He's got his truth. What is truth? And certainly today, I would say, truth is stumbling in the public square. Truth is stumbling in the public square. And when truth stumbles, evil gains a foothold. It's no longer popular to talk about truth, is it? And there isn't really any truth anyway out there. It's time to talk about, try and talk about truth. It's all opinion. And what's good for you may not be good for me. And your truth may be good for you, but that's their truth is good for them. And if it's not politically correct, it can't be true anyway. What is truth? There isn't really any truth out there anymore. In fact, that, uh, that was the word of the year for the Oxford English Dictionary, 2017, was post-truth. That we're now in a world that has gone past truth. Truth is a little bit old-fashioned. And today, it's about story, it's about experience, it's about your personal story. And all those are good things. We need to hear people's personal stories. People's experiences really count. But truth has gone out of the window. After all, as our friend Donald said a, couple of year, a year or so ago, didn't you see the alternative facts? Truth is stumbling in the public square. And when truth stumbles, evil gains a foothold. This is, that's my phrase, but it's from Isaiah 59. Isaiah says, Truth is stumbling in the streets, and honesty has been outlawed. Yes, truth is gone. And anyone who renounces evil is attacked. If you try and speak against it, well, that's not politically correct. You shouldn't be saying that. That's not a tolerant thing to say, you've got the truth. What about their truth over there? In fact, this is the passage, we won't read it all, that Paul draws from for the armour of God. If you read it yourself, it goes on to talk about the armour of God. But Isaiah, back 700 years before Jesus, said, truth is stumbling in the street. And today... Uh, 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 one message I want you to get hold of is that evil, almost all evil in the world, and we'll talk about what that means, can be traced back to simple untruths. To simple untruths. So let's get into this. Um, this the start of this passage that Jean read for us. We'll do the second part a bit later. <clears throat> so Paul says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is all a little bit uncomfortable, isn't it? He's talking about things which, we, you know, not really great conversation topics out there in, with your neighbours or in the street or at work. You regard it a little bit odd if you start talking about such things. And, and it can be odd if you take it too far. But he's, using, he's talking about the devil. He's talking about forces of evil. He's talking about powers and authorities or powers and principalities. And I don't think we can get p past this passage without talking about those. So we will talk about those first and what they mean. It all sounds a bit odd. But today, I will talk about three things 
three to- three, uh, divide that passage up into, look at it in three ways. First of all, what are these powers and principalities? What is he talking about? Who is he talking about? Where are they? How do they get to us? Is the second, is the second part. If there are powers and principalities, how do they come to me today in 2018? How do they come to you? Living in contemporary society in Lim. And thirdly, what do we do about it? What do we do about that? So the first topic, what are powers and principalities? I think a simple definition that I would use <coughs> is that Paul is saying, any, Paul is talking about any power that offers an alternative authority to God's authority. So when he talks about powers and principalities and forces of evil in this world, he's talking about any power that is an alternative authority in your life to God's authority. <coughs> we'll talk about what that means. He talks in this passage that says there's a real struggle against evil, and he says it's not just about people. He says it's not, he says it's not against flesh and blood. And when we come to this topic of evil and the devil and Satan, I find, and I'm sure many of you have found, that churches tend to be a bit schizophrenic and go off in two directions, don't we? Some churches and some Christians would say, well, it's a bit medieval, that. It's all superstition. And really, the problem of evil comes down to unjust systems, to corrupt powers, to abusive systems of authority in the world today, which are there. It's about bad people. That's really the problem. It's not about a devil or evil as such. Then the other end of the church, other Christians say, no, it's all about the devil. And there's this person, the devil, who's behind anything that goes wrong in your life is probably the devil. And that can lead to uh, unhealthy fascination with evil. The first camp, uh, who say it's medieval superstition, they often are what we call liberal, progressive-minded Christians. And there are some folks like that in the church today in our church today. In the second camp, that people who tend to believe in a, in a personification of evil, the devil, tend to be more at the Pentecostal charismatic end of the church. And there are people in this church today. And that's fine. That's good to have a mix of people, a mix of views. Well, let's try and lift the lid on this thing, on these powers and principalities. And now let me stand back from the idea of a devil and say... Just take a a simpler question, I think a more straightforward question, a starting question, and let's ask, is is there such a thing, is there a distinct force in the universe that we can call evil? Is there something that's separate, which is evil? Then we can talk about whether it's a person or whatever it is. I would say there has to be. There absolutely is. And I, and I don't think, and I, or rather, I, I, it's very hard to explain some of the acts of depravity that have happened in our history, recent history, without the notion of evil. I don't want to spend time on this. That's a picture of Mary Bell, who kills at the age of 11. You may remember in the 1990s, uh, the young lads, two 10-year-old lads, Venables and Thompson, who take a two-year-old onto a railway track and murder him. Or you can talk about some of the adult serial killers in, our, in recent news, Harold Shipman, Fred West, or Joseph Fritzl. Do you remember Joseph Fritzl 10 or 12 years ago? He, an Austrian guy, he, lure, he lures his 15-year-old daughter into the cellar and locks her in there and keeps her there for about 15 to 20 years. He rapes her routinely and she gives birth to six or seven children who are brought up in complete darkness, never seeing the daylight, never seeing fresh air. 
And when I heard that, it, 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 you, you, your mind has to accept that there is something demonstrably evil in our universe. And it affects all of us. That story affected me. Because before I heard that story, that idea of somebody doing that was never in, in my sphere of thinking. It was never an idea that would have occurred to me. And, and now it is in my head and I can't get it out. So whenever somebody does that and, and, and the line of depravity is drawn even lower, we are all affected by this. We are all changed. It's part of the world that we live in. You could talk about what's happened in Cambodia or Rwanda or in the Second World War. But the point uh, I would make here is that these people were not born as monsters. When they were born, they were not monstrous people. They were like you and me. I went to a Holocaust study day a couple of years ago. There's another one in November. And we were talking about the problem of evil and the fact that these young men who put children into fires, into flames, they were not born monsters. They were frighteningly, and this is frightening, they were born like me and like you. And something happened. Which means, actually, we are all subject to evil. We are all potentially vulnerable to evil. So I think, yes, there very much is a force in the universe which is demonstrably evil, which is distinctly evil. Then the, the next question, but is this, are we still talking about systems of evil, systems of abuse, systems of injustice, or is evil, is it, as Paul personifies it, is it really a person, a devil? I think it's probably both. I think there are both. I'm going to spend a little time on this slide talking about the nature of evil in our world today. Uh, Three points. First one will take some time to go through. I'm talking about truth and untruth. Uh, Then there's a couple others. So, um, the first point, importantly, evil rarely looks evil until it has accomplished its goal. It doesn't look evil to start with. Or as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11, the Satan masquerades as an angel of light. It's just a little untruth. It just starts with a little untruth. Think about the way people are drawn in online or radicalized. They're not told you will end up beheading people in the desert. It's, it, it looks, it, it's a little untruth. It's a little untruth. It's a, it's a, it's a, don't you feel sorry for these people in Syria, in Afghanistan? Yeah, yeah, we do, we do. Well, wouldn't you like to do something? Yeah, yeah, we would. And, and it's the step-by-step sequences of untruths. And I want to say a little bit about uh, evil closer to home, or untruths which become evil closer to home. I want to be clear that uh, there are evil, there are forces of untruth very close to us. And I want to be clear that uh, when we talk about churches here, there are two, two types of churches I'm talking about. Right? First of all, I'm not talking about any of the churches in Churches Together in Lim, the Methodists, the Anglicans, the rest of them, we might, have, we might have disagree with them, but they have their view, we have ours. We all relate back to the Gospel. We all draw a line back to the Gospel. And uh, sometimes I hear people say, yeah, but our church, a Baptist church, we believe in the Bible. Yeah, but what do you think they're saying? What do you think they're saying? They all, we all believe in the Bible. We just come up with different, different traditions different ways of doing things. That's fine. Even in this church, there are different views in theology. But we all believe, in the end, in the gospel, in gospel truths. And gospel truths, if you want to 
description of that. Look at the creeds of the church from the 3rd and the 4th centuries. The creeds. The same men who brought us the Bible, the same filled with the same Holy Spirit, brought us the creed. I believe in God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth, and in his only son, Jesus Christ. He was conceived uh, by the Virgin Mary, born, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, died, crucified, was buried, ro- rose again, he ascended into heaven. That creed, we will sing it later. That's what we hold to as churches together in, in, in a worldwide union, in a worldwide communion of churches. And they are just disagreements. But that's okay, we can chat about those. I used to spend a lot of time arguing about things like that. How much water do you use at baptism and what's the right way to do communion, etc., etc. Great arguments. And, and I used to fall out with Christians. And we have to be careful in a church setting when we get into discussions. You know, or, 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 we have to be careful we don't actually use them as instruments to put each other down. I, 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 I shared this earlier this week and I'll just share it with you briefly that um, I, and I was the debating sort, um, not the mild-mannered man you, you see before you today. <laughs> and uh, God showed me a vision one day, and he put this idea in my head. And I was standing before God, and God said to me, all those arguments you're having with the Methodists and the Baptists, and that, who told you to have those arguments? With whose authority did you spend your time debating all those peripheral matters on the edge. And when you were doing that, Chris, who was, who was proclaiming the year of the Lord? Who was, who was binding the brokenhearted? Who was bringing recovery of sight to the blind? Who was setting the captives free? Because you weren't. And I determined that day, I, I wouldn't be that person standing before God saying, yeah, but they weren't doing this right, so I told them, Lord, I told I would be the one, hopefully, who's working with other Christians who I might disagree with on points of theology, but we agree on the gospel. We agree on the gospel. So, don't waste your time on that. And, you know, if, if, if you're interested in why, why Anglicans baptise babies, ask an informed Anglican, and it's in the Bible. It's in the texts. Just as we baptise believers, which is in the texts. It's a different view, that's all it is. But I am... I do want to draw attention to other people who use the word churches to mean something completely different as a layer of respectability. So uh, in the 90s and late 80s, Alice and I were in a church in Moss Side, in in Moss Side, Woolley Range of Manchester. Very different area, Anglican church, for 15 years. We were the youth leaders. And a lot of interesting, saw a lot of interesting things which you wouldn't often see in 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 an area perhaps like this. So the nearest church to us two minutes walk, was the uh, uh, Manchester Spiritualist Church. Manchester Spiritualist Church. Nothing to do with church. Nothing to do with Jesus. Nothing to do with Christ. But they used the word church. One time, two young men came into our church at St. Edmund's. thought, this is great. Folks have come in. Chatted to them. I said, where have you come from? They said, oh, we're from the Unification Church. So I thought, oh, I've heard of that somewhere. Oh, yeah. That's what we used to call the Moonies, Sun Myung Moon in Korea. So they were coming to our church, so we had to talk to them. So uh, Bob the rector and I met with them one evening, 8 o'clock, we went on way after midnight, and we asked them the question that you should always ask if, if somebody comes on your doorstep, which is, do you believe in the complete saving work of Jesus as being complete and sufficient, no strings attached? Do you believe in that? 
And they said, yes, yes, Jesus' work was complete as far as it went. What? (laughs) So hang on. Was Jesus' work complete and sufficient on the cross? Is that all we need for salvation? Yeah, of course it is, as, as far as it goes. And then when we got into it and lifted the lid on what they believed, it was beyond bizarre. It was beyond bizarre. I won't go into the detail. It's all about how Jesus didn't get married and therefore he failed. But Sun Myung Moon got married and, 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 and people believe this. And they call themselves a church and they think they're a church like us. That's the worrying thing. And we had to say to them, you know, if you come to our church, you can't bring this message. I'm afraid, you know, you can't come here if that's the message. So we have to be alert, discerning, accepting of other Christians we might disagree with, but discerning, if, if, we're, if it's a gospel truth, if it's about Jesus and salvation, if there's one message in Ephesians, it's by, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. If there's anything else, it's not Christian. It is an untruth, and untruths lead us eventually to something that is evil, something that is profoundly evil in the case of the Moonies. So that's the first one. The second one, um, I was coincidentally interviewing a friend of mine, Jane Earlham, who works in the Baptist Group for Deliverance Ministries, which, is, which looks into supernatural phenomena and people who are troubled by such things. Uh, she, it's really odd but if, you, if, you ever, if you meet her because she's like uh, five foot tall, eight stone, and when I said, I'll take you out for lunch, where do you want to go? She said, let's go to McDonald's, I want a Happy Meal. <laughs> not, not the kind of spiritual giant involved in spiritual warfare, casting out, you know, but that's what, that, that's what she wanted to do. But um, she quoted to me some stats from Catholic and Anglican, Catholics and Anglicans who keep, keep good records, that actually there has been, in recent years, a huge upward trend in, report, in reporting of supernatural disturbances, a huge increase in the reporting of supernatural disturbances in our time. Now, why is that? Well, briefly, we're not sure. The greater incidence of mental health, that's certainly an issue here. Stresses in society. People rejecting traditional religions and looking for something better, something different, or, or adding something with, to their Christianity. Or, as some people say, it's the last days. If you look in Revelation, some passages could be interpreted as saying uh, God gives uh, Satan more margin in the last days. We are in the last days, we just don't know how last they are. Uh, the other thing she said, which I want you to take away, she, I said to her, you know, this five-foot-tall, eight-stone lady eating a Happy Meal, I said, do, you know, you're not scared when you get in, do this kind of thing. Does it not scare? She said, no, it doesn't scare me actually anymore because she's seen the power of Christ in all these situations. She has seen the power of a prayer in Christ's name. And this was her quote. She said, Chris, if Satan's hordes are out there, they are tremendously outmatched by Christ and the cross. If Satan's hordes are out there, they are tremendously outmatched by Christ and the cross. So let's remember that too. Okay, so I was a little bit on... um, what, what could these powers and principalities be? What are they? Uh, and uh, we've talked about some aspects of that. Let's go on now and talk about where do they come from? How do they come to us, rather? How do these things come to us? Remember, uh, power and principality, any power that offers an alternative authority to God's authority, 
Evil often starts out as simple and truth, but how do they arrive to us? Well, let me ask you, what is the guiding authority in people's lives today? Where do people go asking questions, seeking advice? One place. The internet, isn't it? Or Google, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, so, which, just look at one, one place, yeah? Is the internet a power and principality? Well, it certainly is a vehicle for powers and principalities. It is an amplification mechanism to reach thousands of people. And for most people, it is, it is an authority. You know, when you want to buy a house or look for a job or go on holiday, you probably go to internet, the internet before you ask God. A lot of people would. So let's just be mindful of this. The internet has a lot of useful stuff out there and it's important and we need it. We, it's important to be able to hold the dialogue over WhatsApp. It's important to be able to manage emails because that's how the world is now. But it is also the number one place to find untruths that are not of God. Do you know there are websites that promote suicide that actually tell you where to get equipment from? That radicalise, that pipe pornography into homes. It's a subject of great theological study. And I won't go into details, but if you look at my website, commercial break, sevenminutes.net, there's a few, few articles, um, powers, principalities in the internet, God on the web, uh, the gospel according to Google. If you're not into technology at all, will you baptize my dog, please? That's not in scripture, but it was a question asked of a friend of mine. But, but what I want to say today is, on the internet, let's just take away, let's just remember, it's not just a tool like a pen or a typewriter was just a tool. It's a tool that shapes us. We are shaped by this tool. We are changed by the tool we use when it comes to the internet. And it is much more potent than previous tools because of its scale. It can reach thousands of people. Its speed, it does it at the speed of light, literally, instantaneously. And its addictive nature, it is a very powerful tool. And it enters our lives at many points, work, play, church, home, and it can bring in both truth and untruth. So then we've talked a little bit about the nature of uh, powers and principalities, and I've said something about at least one place where we today in 2018 can be influenced by powers and principalities if we're not careful where, where we go on the internet. That's a real danger for us. So then lastly, today, what do we do about this? What do we do if, if Paul's right and we believe him that all this stuff's out there? What do we do? Let's go back to the first statement. Truth is stumbling in the public square. And when truth stumbles, evil gains a foothold. Isaiah summarized it well. Truth is stumbling in the street. And honesty has been outlawed. How do we, how do we stand apart from these evil forces and make sure that we are protected and safe, and uh, standing in the truth. How do we do that? There's two ways, a wrong way and a right way. And the right way is a lot easier than the wrong way. Right? The wrong way is let's go and find out all about these things. <laughs> let's go and find out about the Moonies and the Jehovah's Witnesses and whatever else is going on. And then this leads, often leads to, en to enticement. Fascination with such things can lead to enticement. And people have been drawn in by just innocently being interested. That's not the way. The way is quite straightforwardly and simply, let us be intentional about the truth, intentional about what we believe, purposeful about what we believe. How do we do that? Well, we'll read the rest of the passage. 
Because fortunately, for all of us here, God has placed everything we need at the disposal of every Christian. God has placed at your disposal today everything you need to stay in the truth. Let's read uh, the rest of the passage. Therefore, Paul says, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand then, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. So this imagery... Uh, which Paul uses of, of a Roman soldier, and I've used a, a, a policeman in riot gear, which is actually almost identical. You've got the shield, the helmet, the boots, the, the vest. It's all there, the belt. Uh, no provision is lacking. We are completely covered. Now, in the house groups, we will go into much more detail on this, and we will look at all these, all these elements of protection that God gives us. Right now, I just want to look at one, which is the belt of truth the first one, the belt of truth. It's a phrase that often comes up in the Bible, or or not often, but a few times, which is put on your belt, and in the old King James Version it says, gird up your loins. Always sounded a bit painful, that when I saw that. But uh, all it means is, that so when God says to Elijah, gird up your loins and run, it means pull your cloaks and all your flowing stuff together, put it into your belt and tighten it up so you're ready to go. Gird up your loins. Put on your belt of truth. Pull yourself together. Draw yourself in. Belts are good, aren't they? For drawing us in. Sometimes we need drawing in, don't we? (laughs) For other reasons. That's the side effect of the belt of truth, the side benefit. But but the main benefit is when when we think about this, when we purposely, purposefully fasten on the belt of truth, we fasten Christ himself around us. Christ is the truth. He said that to Pilate. When Pilate goes, what is truth? Christ is the truth. It means to give Christ the final say in our lives, to remain in the truth. So 2,000 years ago, Pilate came out with this prophetic comment, Jesus, what is truth? There's no such thing as truth. And we've seen today that if Pilate's rhetorical statement was true 2,000 years ago, it's so true today. It's so true. Truth today has become an unacceptable word. Everything is a matter of opinion and political correctness, and it depends what you think. But, actually, there is truth. There is truth. Not everything is a shade of grey. Not everything depends on your opinion, or my opinion. Not everything is, well, if it's true for you, it's true for you, but what's true for her is good for her. Not everything comes down to that. Not everything depends on our opinion and not everything is, will be politically correct. There is truth. Sorry, but Mr. Pilate, there is truth. In the past, the writer of the Hebrews says, God, made, God led us off because it wasn't so clear. He says in chapter 1, in the past, God spoke through the prophets to our fathers at many times and in diverse ways. Wasn't that clear? Maybe. You had an excuse. But he goes on. But in these last days, 
he has spoken by his Son. But in these last days, he has spoken by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he created the universe. And then the writer goes on to talk about the Son, Jesus. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. The Son is the radiance of God's glory. Jesus is the shining of God. What a wonderful image. What a beautiful picture. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Or as another translation puts it, he is the, uh, the, the exact imprint of God's very being, the exact imprint of God's very being. Jesus, this is the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. Do you believe it or not? If you believe it, put me on. Wear me like a belt. Pull yourself together with me. He is the truth. <clears throat> so to overcome evil, rather than going to find out about it, we stand firmly in the truth with our belt of truth. So the takeaway today, last slide, gone through a lot of things, a lot of topics. Simple takeaway, follow Jesus to the cross every day. Follow Jesus, not, well, yeah, Jesus and, Jesus but, it's okay, Jesus is okay as far as, follow Jesus, just Jesus, to the cross, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, by to the cross, and we do it every day. Something we have to do repeatedly because we wander away. We wander off, we forget, we leak, as someone said, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Yes, but I leak. Well, be filled every day. Follow Jesus to the cross every day. Don't go looking for other things. Stay connected to the cross of Calvary every day you live on this earth. How to do that? Well, today in church, when we meet together, we, 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 we admonish one another, we encourage one another in the truth. In our house groups, house groups, I, I really feel, are um, one of the most, one of the best ways to remain in the truth that we have as Christians. <coughs> And if you're not in a group, please come and talk to me about that. It's a way we can share truth, and it's a way that we keep each other accountable to truth. Well, well, why do you believe that, and why do you believe that in a safe environment? And in your own time, in your own time, follow Jesus to the cross every day. Let's pray. There will be prayer at the end as well for... If this has raised an issue for you, please see the prayer team... Or, or me, but let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the light of your cross, for the power of your cross, for the truth that is Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that today we can put on shoes ready to go and, to go and tell people about Jesus, that we can put on that breastplate of righteousness, which is a righteousness that comes from you, that helmet, helmet of salvation that you give to each of us that we have the sword of your spirit, and that we have prayer as a weapon. But thank you especially, Lord, for, the, for your truth. Help us to wear it as a belt, to draw ourselves in, to pull ourselves up, to strengthen ourselves with your truth, immersing ourselves in your truth, basking in the truth, diving into the truth in your word, in prayer, in fellowship. Help us, Lord, to be a people of truth. This week we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.